Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Let's go, Matthew. Are you with me? 27, Matthew 27. I'm going to read, I'm going to preach, and you're going to be out of here quick, I promise you. Um, Matthew 27, verse 57, I want to read this. Now, when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had honed out of rock and rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive, how that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise. Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people he is risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard, go your way and make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see, come, came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel again, but the angel answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he is risen as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to, ran to bring his disciples word. This is awesome, this, uh, this account. I love this account and I want to just preach from this one in Matthew is mentioned, obviously the story of the resurrection is mentioned in all the Gospels, but I like some things in this that I want to pull out and just use to encourage us this morning. But one of the things that I love about this is I love how paranoid the religious people are about Jesus being raised from the dead. I love watching and even as you read sort of the Gospels and you read through the life of Jesus, there's something about it that, that I love seeing how much Jesus rattled the religion and rattled the religious people. He was always, you know, getting under their skin through something he was doing. And look at this, even after he's dead, he's still upsetting the religious people. It says that when they buried him, they put him in the tomb and these dudes, these dudes go to Pilate and they say, no, 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 this is not enough. See, these represent religion because these were the Pharisees that said, and they go up to Pilate and they say, it's not enough that he's in the tomb. We need to lock this dude down. We need to, we're worried. They're so paranoid 
that what's in him. They're so paranoid that it's not going to stay in the tomb. They're paranoid that it's going to get up and it's going to come out and it's going to break out again. They're paranoid that, that even, they're even paranoid that even if he doesn't get raised up, they say, what if the disciples come and, and break in and get him and then they start spreading news again? See how religion wants to lock down the true message of Jesus Christ. See how religion wants to keep it contained. Religion wants to shut it down and see how, hear how insecure religion is. Even when Jesus is dead, they're still worried about him getting out again. They're still freaking out about it. So they go to Pilate and they have this, this conversation with him and, and he says, okay, fine, lock it down. Do what you want to do. And so what they do is they go and they get the guard and they get the Roman seal. And this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about these three things that they use to try and hold back what Jesus, the miracle that Jesus was about to produce through being raised from the dead. And I want to just preach a real quick message for you, just called the stone, the seal and the soldiers. The stone, the seal and the soldiers. These are the three things that they tried to use to lock Jesus down and prevent the resurrection from happening. Three things that they set in place to try and hold back the supernatural power of God from being released in this situation. And the reason why I wanna preach on these three things is because I believe that within these three things represent each of these things represents something, either one or all of these things, I dare say that are going to try and hold back you in you being what God has called you to be. Because we've got to understand when we read about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you've got to understand the very nature of Jesus cannot be contained. And what religion wants to do is religion wants you to keep Jesus just inside. He doesn't want G, the moment Jesus starts to break out of you, it starts to not just affect you, it'll start to affect those people around you. And I want to just talk about these three things. The first thing that I want to look at in this story is the stone. What they would do is back in the day when they had a, a, a tomb, there was a tomb and there would be a small entrance. It wasn't like a big, um, a, a, you know, six foot high walkway that you would go through. It was actually a, a small entrance and you would have to duck down to walk into the tomb. And what they would do is they got a stone and the Bible says it was four inches between four and, and six feet, sorry, four and six feet in diameter, one foot thick. They said it would have weighed anything from 2,000 to 4,000 pounds. And what they would do is they would create a small groove, if you like, in the front of the entrance. And, and they would create this groove through putting, making a small wall and then they would drop the stone down in, in the middle of this groove and they would create almost like a little incline in front of the entrance. So what that caused it to do was it would almost lock the stone in place. So if you wanted to remove that stone, you actually had to not just carry the weight, lift the weight of the stone, but you would actually have to roll the stone against the incline to create an opening and then chock it with, a, with another stone or rock to keep it, keep it open. And this was the stone that they put to try and keep Jesus in the tomb, to try and prevent Jesus from getting out of the tomb. 
And I believe what this represents to us is natural circumstances in our life that will try and come against the miracle that God wants to break out in and through your life. I believe this represents natural situations that in the natural, it looks impossible. I believe this represents things that we face in our life each and every day that seem like they're a challenge that you're never gonna be able to break through. Things that perhaps you come up against in your marriage or in your workplace or in your family or in the dreams that you wanna do and things you wanna achieve. I'm talking about natural things that you feel like you cannot move and cannot shift. And I wanna tell you this Sunday on Resurrection Sunday that you serve a God and it's demonstrated through this example of the resurrection that you cannot hold Him back no matter how difficult the situation might be. No matter how crazy it might be, no matter how impossible it might look, you serve a God who thrives in the midst of impossible. You serve a God that the more that's pushing against Him, the stronger He seems to get. The crazier the situation seems to be, the greater He seems to rise up. He thrives off difficult circumstances. If you say, well, Pastor Ben, you don't understand how crazy things are. You don't understand how difficult it is. Let me tell you something, the crazier it gets, the stronger God steps in. How many people have experienced God step into situations? See, this is His nature. He loves to do it because why does He love to do it? Because He loves to do it when He can step in 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 and He steps into a situation that in the natural looks impossible. He's the one that gets all the glory. Because none of you can stand back and say, I moved that stone all by myself because everyone knows that you couldn't possibly do it. But when we can stand back and say, look at the size of this stone. Look at how big that is. Look at how crazy that is. Yet God still stepped in and did something. You gotta know that what God has called you to do and what's inside of you, there is nothing on heaven, on earth or in hell that can stop you if God wants it to break out of you. And that's the nature of our God. The other thing, that they tried to use to stop him was the Roman seal. The Roman seal was actually nothing in the natural. There was no power in it in the natural, in the sense of it was very easy to remove that seal in the natural. It wasn't a big rock or a big boulder. If you look at what the seal was in this scenario, what they really actually did was they took a rope a thin cord or thin rope and they stretched it just across the opening, across the front of the stone. And if you look at it and study it, what they would do is they would take it, it was almost like a wax and they would get that wax and they would melt some wax on one end and they would put it, they would push a signet ring or a seal into that wax on one end and one on the other end. And what this did was it spoke of authority. It spoke of Ownership. It was basically, it was a way in which the Roman Empire would put a seal on something and say, you're not, it's almost like it was a branding. And what would happen is you would, there was certain death if you removed one of those Roman seals without proper authority to do so. But in the natural, it wasn't, it wasn't something difficult to move. But it was less about what it was in the natural and more about what it represented. That's where its strength was. And I believe what this, the example of this, I believe the picture of this is this is some things that you're gonna face in your life because you've got to understand the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. 
but against principalities and powers. And I believe what this is, I believe this is where the enemy comes to try and put a seal on you. And it's almost like in the spirit, the enemy comes and tries to put a brand on you and a seal on you to keep you in that place of limitation in your life. I'm not trying to get weird on Resurrection Sunday, but what I am saying is we have to understand that there are other things at work outside of the natural way in which we operate. And some of you wanna break out and do something for God, but you've accepted a seal from the enemy that has branded you something in the Spirit that's allowed you, that has stopped you from being able to break out of where you wanna go and what you wanna be. I'm talking about a seal where it's almost like the enemy comes and puts a seal of, if you battle depression, it's like he puts a seal of, you are depressed. Therefore, that's where you stay. It's almost like the enemy has tried to take ownership over you. Because of your past, he puts a seal and says, you are broken. Your family is broken. You are addicted. And He puts this seal on you. And the problem is some of you have accepted that and you've remained in this tomb and this place because you've accepted that a seal that the, a seal that the enemy has put on your life. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to stop an outbreak of what God wants to do in and through your life. But we've got to understand that what Jesus did when Jesus died on the cross, He said to the disciples after He said, all authority is given unto me. That means all authority in heaven and on earth. And He said, therefore go, which means what I'm basically, what He's saying is the authority is given to me. Now I'm giving it to you. You have all authority through Jesus Christ and the resurrection to say, you know what, devil, I'm gonna break this seal off my life. I'm not gonna remain in this tomb of limitation. I am not my past. I am not my issues. I am not my battles. I am set free because the Word says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed and you cannot hold me down. Some of us need to break the seal of the enemy. Some of you have allowed the enemy access into your life through the power of agreement. The enemy throws a thought in your mind and you give that thought power in your life because you agree with what he says. He says, you'll never do that. Look at your background. Look at your issues. Look at where you've come from. Look at what you're still walking through and you agree with it. Let me tell you something. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are His property. So if the enemy is coming on to into your mind, then he's trespassing on God's property. And you have the authority to say, you know what, enemy, you're trespassing. You need to get out of here. You, you don't have a place in my mind. There's no place in my mind for you. You need to get out. The third and the final thing that they used to try and stop him to try and hold him back was the Roman guard. And when I say the Roman guard, it's not just one Roman soldier. They would call, refer to it as a Roman guard, but they say it could be anything from 10 to 30 Roman soldiers. These Roman soldiers were highly trained. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were sold out to the vision of the Roman Empire. They were prepared to kill. They were prepared to die. And what, it would, what they would do is they would go and they would stand in front of the tomb and they would stand there dead still and they were responsible, it says, for a six foot radius around them. And they would stand and they would mark that position. 
And they were there to stop anything that would come against what they were ordered to do. It says that if you study, it says that every three hours uh, they would leave and then someone, another soldier would come and replace them. See, I believe what this represents in our life is people in your life that are going to try and stop you from being what God has called you to be. I believe this represents people that want to keep you in the tomb where you are. And what's sad is often these people will be other Christians. See, other Christians that they're happy for you to get a little bit excited about God. They're happy for you to sort of go to one service on a Sunday and, you know, have a Bible reading every now and then, but they don't want you to get too passionate. I'm talking about Christians that, that want to just, they're, 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 they're okay with the idea of you being there. See, these soldiers were standing there. They knew Jesus was there. They were happy as long as He stayed there. And see, this is, I believe, a picture of people that are going to come across your path and maybe you've had them before that don't want you to break out and get really free. That don't want you to get really passionate for Jesus. See, this is what religion will try and do. That's what I like about unsaved people when unsaved people come in church. I like newly saved people. You know when people come into church and they don't know the rules? You know what I mean? I love those people. People that come in and they don't know where you're meant to sit and where you're not meant to sit. Sometimes I think we need more of those people. Not sometimes, all the time, I think. You see these dudes that come down, we do the, at the end of the altar uh, time, we get people to come down the front. We say, come down the front, you want Jesus. You ever seen dudes, they come down the front, they, they come down like this and they walk down the front like this and then they just stand there and they just go, you ever seen those people? I love that. I remember preaching once. I was preaching back in Australia and I'm preaching. It's powerful and I'm caught up in this moment. I say, you come down the front if you need Jesus. And the band's playing. I've got my eyes closed and I, turn, I open my eyes and there's a dude standing about two feet from me just looking at me. I said, bro, what are you doing? He said, you told me to come down the front. Well, here I am. I said, I didn't know how far forward you wanted me to go. But you know what I like about it? There's a freshness to it. They don't understand what you meant to do. All they know is that God has done something in my life and I just want to respond. I don't understand the rules. I don't understand what it looks like. I don't know what I'm meant to do. But, but what happens is what we try and do as churches, we say, okay, that passion's great. But listen, let me just, let me box it in here. Give me that passion and let's, let's jam it in this tomb and let's just keep it here, this is what it's got to look like. But I want to tell you, Jesus, listen, the picture of Jesus, He never fit into anyone's religious framework. He had this awesome ability to just shake people up enough to just break them out of that religious mindset and religious model. See, this is what we need to understand. God will call us to do supernatural things. I remember before we came here, Cresta and I, I didn't know anything about Orange County or anything. And I was in Australia and I remember looking up, I was Googling things on Orange County to try and learn what the culture's like. And I was talking to different pastors and, and everyone, everyone said to me, well, listen, people said this to me. Bill said, in Orange County, if you want to do, do ministry in Orange County, you've got to go chill. This is what they said. You've got to go super chill. They're like, bro, it's nice there. They've got the beach. 
They got the malls. They got, it's nice. You just got to roll. You got to go chill. And I remember them saying that to me. And I don't know if, I don't know if it's me. I don't know if I've got a rebellious spirit. Pray for me. But the more, it was like everywhere I went, the more people would tell me, listen, you got to chill. I had some guys say, listen, you're going to need that dial you're preaching down just a little bit. Because it's not going to, it's not going to flow there. They're just going to, they're just chill. They don't want to. But the more people said that to me, again, I don't know if I've got rebellion going on in my heart or not. The more people told me to chill, the more I didn't want to. The more people that said that you need to fit into a box and the more people that said, Listen, don't get too crazy. Don't get too excited. Don't get too passionate. Just go nice. The more I didn't want to. Because when I cried out to Jesus Christ, when I was bound in addiction, when I was battling thoughts of suicide, when I was, didn't know where to turn, it wasn't just a dainty chill. Jesus didn't come quietly just walking down into my life, when I cried out and said, Lord, I need You now. The Holy Spirit didn't just come quietly down into my room. I wanna tell you, the Holy Ghost showed up in my room. It broke into my addiction. It broke into my life. It didn't matter what was going on in my life. It didn't matter the things that were around me. The Holy Spirit said, if you ask for me, I'm gonna show up and I don't know what chill looks like. All I know is to come in like a flood. And I wanna tell you, it knocked me off my feet, the power of God. And that's what we need. We need a church that would say, we gotta get back to the raw hunger and passion of Jesus Christ. And say, I know Orange County may be chill, but we got some Christians that are more passionate about the Holy Ghost than we are about the culture that we're in. Come on, I need some Christians to say, we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe in what He's called us to do. And you're not gonna box me up and hold me back. We need to, we need to break out of what the, because it's a strategy. It's a strategy. He says, listen, listen, don't, don't, don't push. And I'm not here my heart. I'm not trying, I don't believe, I'm trying to get hyped. If you want to get excited, get excited. If you don't, you don't. I don't care. But what I'm saying is if you feel the Holy Spirit, don't hold something back. We're looking around wondering, is this okay? Is that okay? You know what? If you feel like doing it, it's okay. Just do whatever you want. I don't care. Stand on your head if you want. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying you have to do it. Different people are wired differently. Listen, personalities are different. Personalities are different. I've talked before. My dad, my dad's an attorney. He's more passionate about Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, than anyone I've met in my life. Bro, he will, he, my dad will stand on the front row like this. But I'm telling you, if you're facing a diagnosis, you're laying up in a hospital, he's the one that you want standing beside you because he'll have the face, his faith for it. His personality's different. My mum will be doing cartwheels from that side to the other side. I'm not even straight line. I'm telling you the truth. How many got that one of those mothers? You know what I mean? Like praising tongues for everything. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I remember growing up as a kid driving through shopping malls looking for parking spaces. Everyone else's mum's just driving through just looking. You know what I mean? As you do. My mum's like, Shukabarabasikibayet. I'm sitting beside her like one in the window. I'm like, what the heck? But what I'm saying is you got different... 
personalities, but what I'm saying is be who God's called you to be. But when God comes upon you, don't hold it back because you're worrying about what people think about you or you're worrying about what you look like or you're worrying about whether it's gonna fit. Let me tell you, in this church, anything fits. We're just passionate about Jesus Christ and what He's done. Come on, I need a few people to give God some praise on Resurrection Sunday and just thank Him that He died and He rose again. He's an awesome God. We get so worried. We get so, man, I get worried. I get, it gets in my head sometimes you think, is this all right? Is that all right? The more you get, the more you go along in your faith, and the more you see what God has done in your life, I think the less you care. And you start thinking, you know what? I don't care anymore. What He's done in my heart is too great for me to worry about people, for me to worry about. He set me free, changed my life. I'm about to close, but all through the Old Testament, there's pictures. Jesus is all the way through the Old Testament. You can go and you can look. There's different stories where it's a picture of the resurrection. Jonah going in the belly of the fish in the whale three days and coming out as a picture of the resurrection. The more you look at it, the more you study it, the more you see that it's there. Abraham, Isaac, taking Isaac up the mountain. Isaac carried the, 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 the timber, the, the, the wood that he would be sacrificed on, carried it on his back. The same way Jesus carried the cross and then was put down on the, on the altar. It's a picture. But another picture of the resurrection that I saw is in the story of Aaron. It's in Numbers 16 and 17, if you read the story. And it's the story of Aaron. And, and what was happening was it was when Aaron was being selected as the high priest. And what happened in the story is God spoke and God said, I want Aaron, I've chosen Aaron to be the high priest. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was the high priest because what the high priest was, the high priest was the median. The high priest was the way in which the people could communicate to God. And so God spoke and He says, I want Aaron to be the high priest. And so the other dudes, you know, they got upset. They got, and they were like freaking out. And so they come forward and there's this like, you know, argument because they want to be the high priest. And Aaron's like, well, I got it, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, Maybe he didn't say it like that. That would have been me. I would have been like, hi, priest, what's up? <laughs> but so God said, okay. He says, all right, if you guys want to do it, bring the stick, bring your staff, bring all of them. So they brought 12 staffs and Aaron's staff was in there. And he says, what I'm going to do is I want you to lay down 12 staffs. Aaron, put yours down as well. Every one of those staffs was a dead stick was not living. It was not attached to anything. It was dead, a dead stick. And it was laid down. They were all laid down, all 12. But then they came back the next day. When they came back the next day, all of those other staffs were still dead, except for Aaron's staff. Because the rod that Aaron had laid down, when he laid it down dead, Life came into it. 
and his staff, the rod that he laid down, started to bud, started to bear fruit. Life came into that staff. Is God saying, you know what? Lay them all down and let the real one stand up. Let the real one come back to life. And that'll be the one that I'll choose to be my high priest. See, it's a picture of the resurrection. Because when Jesus was laid down, He was laid down on a Friday. But then on the Sunday, He came back up. And I know it's not politically correct, but I'm just speaking truth. When you lay Muhammad down, dude's not coming back up. I'm sorry. You lay Hare Krishna down, he's going to stay down there as well. You can lay whatever, I don't know half these other cats' names, whoever they all are. But you listen, I can tell you, you lay them all down, not one of them's coming up. The only one that's coming up is the true high priest. And his name is Jesus Christ. Because he's the same yesterday, today and forever. He's the high priest. He's the chosen Son of God. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He stands in the gap. He's the way in which we communicate to God the Father. He laid down. He laid down dead on Friday. But on Sunday, He came back up. And I'm not here, listen, hear my heart. I'm not, I'm not trying to judge people that are here that perhaps you're not. You don't have a Christian faith. But the Bible says that we need to preach truth in love. People say, you know, we've got to love people. Yes, love people. But I'm not going to put my arm around them, walk them all the way to hell. If you truly love people, you'll speak truth. Buddha can't save you, man. Gandhi can't save you. There's only one that can save and His name is Jesus Christ. There's one way to heaven and that's through Jesus. You can do all the good, all the great, help a thousand people a day, walk old ladies across the street, pay for people's lunch. I don't care, do all that, that's all great. But I'm gonna tell you, it won't get you to heaven. The only way to heaven is through Jesus. And the Bible says this, is His goodness and His kindness brings us to repentance. We don't serve Him because we're fearful of what will happen if we don't. We don't pray to Him because we're fearful of what will happen if we don't pray at this time and this day. We pray to Him because we love Him and He loves us. That's the message of the cross. I was praying yesterday and I was walking around praying, just going through, you know, what I was going to preach. And I was thinking about the whole story. Of, of, of Jesus and, and what happened and you know I was praying about it and, and I asked the Lord this I said God why did why did you why did you not heal the scars in your hands and your feet and your side like I said to God wouldn't that have made the miracle even better do you ever talk to God like he needs your help do you know what I mean I'm like hey God like it was cool but what about this you know like I'm like I said, what if, I said, wouldn't that be cool? Like, I said to him, I'm like, well, it would have been cool. Like, if you had to come back and be like, hey, check it. 
you know, like no scars, you know what I mean? Check my hands. Like if it was me, like I would have done that and gone like a pedicure, manicure, just get cleaned up and just been like, you know what I mean? Like I thought I said to him, wouldn't that have made like the miracle bigger if you just came back head to toe perfect? And God said this to me, he said, no, no, no. He said, the scars were just for Thomas. And then it hit me and I thought, wow, isn't that the heart of God? That with everything going on and the power of the resurrection, he knew that there was going to be one guy there that still wasn't sure. And he says, I'm going to be raised up and I'm going to be whole, but I'm going to leave a few scars because there's going to be one guy there that just doubts a little bit. I thought, isn't that the heart of God? He will, Jesus always met people wherever they were at. Wherever, wherever their faith was at, He was able to meet them there. And that's what He did with Thomas. He said, bro, if, you, if you're struggling a bit to believe, then come, touch the scars and you'll see. And it hit my heart because I remember when I had that same attitude of a Thomas I remember being in an argument with my, with my mum one night and I was at my parents' house and, and she was upset and I was upset and, and, you know, I was away from God and she's yelling at me. And, and she said, she said, Ben, why are you running from God? Why are you running from the call of God on your life? And I'll never forget it. I looked at my mum and I pointed and I said, when your God makes Himself real to me, then I will follow Him. How many know that's a dangerous thing to say to a mum who prays? Because now she knows exactly what to pray for. But that's what I said. I said, when your God makes Himself real to me, and you know what? It wasn't but a few weeks later. That's exactly what He did. And when I cried out to God that night and said, Lord, if you're real, I need you. I was in a sense saying, God, I see everything that's happening but I need to touch the scars. And that's what God did. And I wanna tell you, if you're here in this place, and I believe there are people here right now in this room, in the overflow, in the lobbies, and you got that same attitude. You say, I see everything that's going on, but I need to touch the scars. I need to see that He's real. I need to know that He's real to me. I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to Him. And I believe God is gonna show up miraculously in your life. But we have to initiate it first because the Bible says, if you draw near to me, then I will draw near to you. And right across this room in the overflow and downstairs in the lobbies, I want us to close our eyes out. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed. 